Hello, everybody, and welcome to JHR Backstage, my lovely little companion podcast to J, uh, James Sussrock, and um, where we talk about music and and like new releases and stuff. Welcome backstage, everybody. <laughs> uh, today, we thought we'd start our topic off with something that was mentioned in the last episode. Considering I think this is going to probably be in that order. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, video game music. It's, yes, it's something that the person sitting across the table here from <laughs> me knows probably thousand times more than i do but Hi. i love the i love the pretty the pretty nintendo music the, so the, the funny the the, the funny doo doo i i recently had the pokemon theme song stuck in my head for like a week not the anime theme song the the video um, game theme song like yeah that 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 yeah i had that stuck in my head for like a week and so i finally listened to the i was listening to the soundtrack to um Fire red and leaf green on on my way home from work one day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, video game music is something that I feel like gets a lot of attention nowadays, but maybe not as much when it was around (laughs) originally. But I think um, it gets more attention nowadays because now with the rise of streaming services and stuff, there's more of a demand for that kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, we'll get into the fact that uh, so many companies hate that idea, especially the big end mm. uh, of Nintendo, where you can't find their soundtracks to anything anywhere unless Only you want to find a pirated copy. Only one game. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Okay. That was it. That is the only one that's on streaming that's, services. I can accept that, Yeah, but I still want more. <laughs> I know. I'm glad they at least put that one out there. Because, like, that Jump was Up like, Superstar was, like, one of my favorite songs ever for I, that full year. <laughs> pretty sure that's why they did it. Yeah. Um, but it makes me... I think I know why they don't. Um, I think it's because most of their music sounds the same. So well, they so don't want to, like, re-release music that I still sounds feel the same like the that's not quite the reason. I think they have the same mentality that Disney used to mm-hmm. about how releasing them to the to the greater public mm-hmm. decreases their value. So it, I guess it's yeah. like it's the it's the concept that you can even use in like marketing and stuff called false scarcity. Mm. So mm. if you create a market for it, you're going if you create the market, you're going to bring customers in, but if True. you close the market or give it up for not free cuz they'll get Spotify royalties, but like if you give it up for free, there's going to be no demand for your music anymore. People are just going to um like listen to it for free because like imagine they release the I don't know um, one of the Mario soundtracks. Let's say Super on, Mario sixty four. Yeah. Super like Mario, the most yeah. well known. Let's one. say they release the Super Mario sixty four uh, soundtrack on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden in a Which, co- like five years, I think it is on there. I probably not from officially Nintendo, but <laughs> I have no idea. But yeah. um, but like let's say five years from now when they want to do their next anniversary for Mario. Mm. And they want to sell a deluxe edition that costs $150 with a CD copy of Super Mario 64 soundtrack. No one's going to want that anymore. Or, like, less people would want that. True. Because, I would. But, well, it, yeah. yeah there, it decreases the value of it. Yeah. There, there are definitely yeah. going to be people that still want it. Yeah. But there's going to be significantly less people because people like me, I'm a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I want that soundtrack really badly. So if you tell me that there's a reprint of super Mario 64 coming out that includes the soundtrack on CD and it's $200, I might not even flinch to pay that money yeah. because I want a CD copy of the soundtrack. But if it's available on Spotify, I might go, 
and, uh, well, I already own Super Mario 64 on its original platform. I can just listen to the soundtrack on Spotify. I won't bother. Yeah. And there's a lot of me, a lot of people like me out there yep. that I think Nintendo knows that. Super Mario Galaxy actually released their music on a CD. Yeah, with, with like the with the um, Super Mario All Stars pack, right? On the not Wii? what I meant. Oh yeah. Um, no, not the 3D All Stars on the Switch. The All Stars um, All Stars reprint on the Wii for the like the 25th one? anniversary. Yeah, still not what I meant. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. They have like there was a special version of Super Mario Galaxy mm. that came with like a little like a coin. Yeah, actually, it's not very little, but it's it's like this like silver coin or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. with like a, a design on it, and it came with the game and the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's first of all, the music for that game is gorgeous. Oh yeah. Um, and the the cover art for like the soundtrack is really pretty. It's like Mario, mm, like a maestro mm-hmm. thing, and it's like space. I've seen it. Space. Yeah, it's so cool because in Super Mario 3D All Stars, it's included digitally. Yeah, they they gave you what the cover looked like of the CD. Mm-hmm. The other two games are just promotional art used yeah. as covers, but that one is like, no, this is what the soundtrack one actually looked like when you which got it. I want to go in on a cool. rant about digital soundtracks coming with games. It, it doesn't. It, I hate it. I it hate doesn't it make so any much. Sense like for, like, like for Steam, you can rip it from your computer, yep. which is cool. Yeah, but like or like they'll let you download it directly to Steam. And you can download it and whatever, but like. On a console, there's no yeah. reason because yeah. I'm not gonna like because I know that. Let me like, just boot can, up my PS5 real quick yeah. to just listen to the Horizon oh. soundtrack. Yeah, because like, like when it's like for like so Nintendo's done this a few times where they give you a sound test option on like a game that's on the Game Boy, which yeah. is like okay, sure. Well, sa- I have, I sound will- test is different because that's just something fun to play with. I'm talking like when a deluxe edition comes with a specific side application seat, like digital oh, download well, version of the digital soundtrack. Yeah, that's but ridiculous. But like, oh, let me just boot up my PS5 really quick because I want to listen to the soundtrack. It's like, no, I yeah. don't want to do that. Didn't Why you, would I ever want to do that? Didn't Dreams do that? Yeah, Dream, did, uh, most yeah. PlayStation Studios people do. Dreams is one of them. Horizon Forbidden West did it. Ghost of Tushima did it. I have the digital soundtracks for both Forbidden West and Ghost of Tushima. It's like, what am I going to do with these? Like, <laughs> They were why? sitting in the meeting room and they like, were like, all right, listen. We need to get our soundtracks out there. What is the best way we can get people to buy the game, but also <laughs> get the soundtrack and listen to it? Make it a separate yep. application. Yeah. Because one thing that I like to do is take my entire PS5 <laughs> with me when I go to the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Like, I, like yeah. it doesn't... It makes what, no sense makes no to sense. me. Like, yeah. like, game, like, the Switch, you can like turn the, the Switch makes off and sense. listen to it. Yeah. But it's also clunky. It's so clunky, like, but at least it has like a headphone jack yeah, and it's portable. Yeah, I can accept like, that. The, the DS and the Game Boy, like, and the 3DS, yeah. all had functions where you could, like, yeah. you know, listen to the music, but it made sense because it was portable. The, uh, PS5. I don't know <laughs> if the Xbox does it. I haven't checked, but like, if the P- the PlayStation people doing that, stop. Yeah, what are you doing? There's like a, the only thing you're doing. <laughs> Is giving an application for YouTubers yeah. to come in to <laughs> have a clean version of the song, rip it, and upload it to YouTube. Yeah. So the, you are promoting piracy <laughs> by putting it on the PS5. The only um, use I can ever think to use them for is yes. games like Fortnite or um, Rocket League or like PUBG or whoever plays PUBG anymore. But point stands. No. One. Uh, applications <laughs> like that that let you stream 
your like onboard music while you play. That's cool. Because like, I like Rocket League specifically, I can link my Spotify app that's on my PS5 and it'll let me play my Spotify playlist while I'm playing Rocket League. So like, and that's the thing. Yeah, you're gonna use your Spotify yeah. app, not the Music <laughs> of Dreams well, app. Well, what I'm what I'm at least saying is that there's that one use for them. The one uh, use sure. that I could tell it to play the the Forbidden West soundtrack that's installed on my sure. PS5. Sure, I still hate it. Trust yeah. me, I still hate it so badly. I every time that I see it's a digital soundtrack, yeah, I just I'm I'm done. And but, and what's even what's even funnier with with the Forbidden West in particular? Yes. I bought the special edition. It was ninety bucks. Yes, it came with a physical art book. Yeah, which again most don't. Most come with a digital art book. Yeah. Oh, we love physical art books. And oh, I love physical Here art books. But podcast, that's a whole separate. We love that argument. And then the steel book. It came with a steel book. And Ooh. because the PS4 version of Forbidden West is two discs, the steel book has two disc slots. But on the PS5, it's only one disc. So this, but they use the same steel book for both editions. So the PS5 one has an open disc slot. You could have put a soundtrack in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, that would have been so much better to to make a physical you, soundtrack for it. It almost feels like. You're like where? Where's the rest of the, what? I well, got ripped off because first, people who may not yeah. know better are like, "What the?" What that the was hell? what I, I opened the steel book and I was like, yeah. "Wait, where's the other? Was this supposed to be a second disc?" Yeah, and I was like, "I didn't know that." And yeah. then I was talking to some of my friends at GameStop, and they were the ones that mentioned that the PS4 version is two discs, which is why they made the steel book have two slots, but. Um, then you should put a sticky note that says "Sorry." I, I think my absolute favorite is the larger editions of Forbidden West. Yeah. Still came with the steelbook. Uh-huh. But no physical edition of the game. So it was just an empty steelbook. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> but that's off topic. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, yes, this yeah, is that's, a, that's off topic. Because I could go on about, like, the Sonic um, Mania one was a little well, weird, so too. On, but, like, on that, that note, was okay. Well, that, yeah, that is a little weird. But on that note, we should talk about the king of video game music, which is Sega. Sonic the Hedgehog and Sega. So, oh, my yeah. God. I was going to say that. I was like, the the absolute kings and queens. The Crush 40. Oh, right? my God. Well, yes. But, yeah. like, more, just, no, just Sega in general. Listen, I don't care if you play video games I don't care if you even play video games and don't know what a Sega is. <laughs> Go to Spotify, search Sega Sound Team, pick one, yep. and listen. I guarantee <laughs> you that you would think that they don't even make games, that they just make <laughs> music. That has been an on-running joke in the Sonic the Hedgehog community for a long time, is that they should stop making games and just make hey, music. you know what? I'd be down for that. Well, I wouldn't, because I love Sonic, but it, like, I get it. Like, it makes sense, where it's like, because every time there's a Sonic game, regardless of the quality, which, let's be honest, it shifts, but regardless of the quality <laughs> of the game, the soundtrack is Always oh, a yeah. banger. Oh yeah, every single was, time. The, one of the, my fail. One of my first introductions to Sonic the Hedgehog's larger catalog because I had heard like you know the basics, like the the Green Hill Zone theme and like the Classic. basic Sonic the Hedgehog theme and all that. Yeah, but like my first introduction to the real wide world of Sonic the Hedgehog music was when I was on my way to PAX East mm. this last year and. I I was just like, oh, I want video game music, but I want something with lyrics. And I was like, all right, I know a lot of the stuff from like the early 2000s era of Sonic has lyrics to it because you've played some of it for me in the car before. Yep. I put on a playlist that somebody made of it. 
that was single-handedly one of the best hype-ups I could have possibly given myself for PAX East. It's so good. That was so great. Like, like. <laughs> yeah, you were so Crush Forty did yeah. does a lot of the Sonic music. I I don't know if they still do it now, but they did like a lot of that early two thousand yeah. Sonic music. It's so good, and it it just it hits so well. Like, open your heart. Oh yeah, live and learn. Sonic Heroes, like the theme for that. Oh oh, I love the it Sonic Heroes theme. So good. And it's like all of the music is available. Oh, yeah. You can go and find it. There there have been instances where, like, some of the albums had to get taken down for some reason. Yeah. Like, they try to put them back up as quickly as possible. Like, the second gener- Sonic Generations album, there was a weird thing. But it's back now, yeah. I think. And it's just... The, the It doesn't matter if it's a level music, it's loading music, mm-hmm. it's, like, the menu, it is the... It's, <laughs> it's the, like, title track of the game. It is always good it is always incredible and the music always fits the aesthetic of the game oh yeah perfectly i don't know who is composing the music <laughs> for sonic right now but when you leave the company i will be physically <laughs> depressed i don't think i will recover for years yeah when what's, they leave. what's really funny is that i know like the the composer for nintendo is such a well-known person but then like nobody talks about the second composer because yeah um koji kondo is the the composer for Nintendo and has been for like the entirety of the company's history at this yeah. point. Uh, well, not the entirety, obviously. Second, the entirety of the company's video game history, let's right. call it that. Yeah. Because I forget that Nintendo's like two hundred something years old at yeah, this point. They're pretty old. But um Yeah, I I'd say my love for video game music lies more on the Nintendo side, although Sonic the Hedgehog is absolutely like top pedestal. Oh yeah. Um, one of my favorite menu music, since you mentioned menu music, is very much uh, file select from Super Mario sixty four. Mm, classic. I could listen to that on loop for like my entire life and have no problem with it at all. Absolutely. I want that to be the theme song to my existence. My, <laughs> my favorite thing is people have been making memes where it's like Mario games. So I was like, that's ah, just a water level. You don't really need to pay mm. that. You know, mm-hmm. just write a song for it. And then it's like Nintendo composers making one of the most <laughs> heart wrenching, tear jerking oh, yeah. water themes of all time. And it's like, then it play play Dire Dire Docs yep. Super Mario sixty four. And I'm like, you're right. I want to cry <laughs> right now. It is so good. And like, um, I listened to uh, 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 there's a YouTuber. Their name is Kumu Q U M U. Yeah, they make remixes of video game Ooh, music. Yeah, their Dire Dire Docs one. Yep. Is really good. Yeah. And all of their music um, stays true to the original while remixing it. So yep. it's like it's real it's like the closest you get if it's not uploaded already. Yeah. It's the closest you'll get. And it's really good and a lot of people use their remixes because mm-hmm. of it. And I severely appreciate them, especially for their Nintendo stuff. Oh, yeah. Because of how limited the Nintendo is on streaming services. And so like it's just one of those things where I I'm constantly like listening to these games, these soundtracks that you know that are part of them, and a lot of people are like, "What type of music do you listen to?" And I'm like, "I listen to a lot of electronic music." Yep. And I blame video games for that <laughs> because growing up, all I listened to was video game soundtracks, and most of it growing up for me was electronic music, and so like that's well because we grew up in the from. in the in the early electronica dubstep era of the early 2000s. We did, that is true. <laughs> like, um, uh, that's why That's why a lot of our music is influenced by that kind of stuff, is, especially in the video games. Um, we don't, I don't know what the, the, um, the genre of it is specifically called, um, but I've had people passingly call Crush 40's Sonic music uh, garbage rock. 
Okay. Or like grunge rock. I would put um, them pretty close to like 90s pop punk. I've also heard uh, butt rock. Okay. That's another yeah. one. Um, but it's just like it, the way that the it's just uh, you're probably right. That's, yeah. I have to look it up what it actually. It's probably just rock classified as. Rock. Oh, they probably just put it as um, either alternative or rock. Yeah, um, probably. But I would I would put them in the same ballpark as like 90s and early 2000s pop punk. They're, they're a little bit different than that, but they fit in that catalog. It's like 90s pop punk with electronic. Yeah. It's almost no, that's not right. But yeah, yeah no, it's like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's that mix, and so it's it's just it's so. It is I, so good. I also feel like you can't bring up the topic of video game music without talking about Doom. <laughs> and it's insane everything when it comes to music. Doom. How they had to recompose the entirety of the soundtrack to Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal because it was too, inte- too intense Did originally. They? I didn't even know that. Yeah, they, that they, they, they had to recompose a lot of stuff and they had to tone it down because the composer wow. went heavy. And I think it happened for both Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, but I remember specifically Doom Eternal. They had to tone it down wow. quite a bit because it was it was it, he went hard. Like we're talking like full on. Like he had chainsaws and stuff as part of the music. That's, I want to <laughs> like, hear that. That's um, so cool. Well, like that kind of stuff did still make it into the game. But I remember one of the things that he did was he upped the the BPM of the music to yep. a point where it was like almost intolerable. <laughs> past a certain point i forget what it was i forget what it was but i know like most doom soundtracks i think float around the the 160 mark where the average song is like 120 oh my god um yeah um but yeah i i i love the doom soundtracks the doom soundtracks are so fun the modern ones i the the old ones have their place they definitely do but i i feel like the the rip and tear mentality of Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal yep. was like peak. <laughs> yeah, Doom music. I uh, <laughs> what I also want to call these unsung heroes out. Um, the soundtracks for uh, Crash Bandicoot and Spiral the Dragon. Ooh, yeah, those um, will forever. Oh yeah, have a special pl- like Sonic is like one. Those games are, like, those games with Mario are, like, two. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Mario, Sonic, Crash, and Spyro all hold very Basically special Basically 90s places. platformer. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> or and 90s mascot platformer, yeah, as I call them. A- anywhere from the 80s to 90s platformer yeah. genre, those songs have a very special place in my heart because of how they were made and how they were, like, composed. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're so good. It's the, like, the Police, right? Was the band that the... Composer for Spyro's I from? I think so, yes. Because yeah. they also did the Amanda show. <laughs> did they really? I don't think I knew that. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know if it was him, but uh, what was the name of the guy? I forget. But the composer who made a lot of the music for, I think, the first game made a song for the Amanda show, and, mm. it, and you can hear it. <laughs> and it's really funny. Stuart I, Copeland. That's, that's what it that's was. That's his name. Stuart yes. Copeland. Stuart Copeland. And, um,. I think he's from the police. I'm about to find that out as we're talking. I don't remember. Uh, Yeah, the police. Yeah, Yeah, he was the drummer for the police. I thought so. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, so he... He did a he did the theme for the Amanda show on Nickelodeon. Yep. And one of the songs from Spyro in that theme <laughs> sound very similar and you can hear it and it's really funny. Um but like I think I could be wrong. But I think the I think Danny Elfman did Crash Bandicoot. I'm not sure, but I'm gonna look it up because you guys can't see me. I can look up yeah. stuff on my phone as much as I want. I, I might be wrong, but I it was either he did 
the games, or he did like the the animated intro that was originally supposed to play. Who did who composed Crash? Do you remember? Uh, Josh Mansell is the one that's coming up on Google. Okay, um, I'm probably wrong then. He yeah, and it looks like he worked for Naughty Dog in general because he did b- both Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Daxter. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, maybe I was thinking of like the animated intro or something. Yeah. Um, that's possible. That makes sense. Oh, apparently he's also, he also worked on Clifford the Big Red Dog, but that's, a, <laughs> that's, 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 not that's a aside the there. point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like those games are like, the, the Crash Bandicoot ones are a little bit more simplistic, but like, um, I don't know who composed for Wrath of Cortex, mm. but the music for Wrath of Cortex is really good. Yeah. Um, that's one of the few like, redeeming factors of that game. That's one of the only ones, my yeah. friend. Um, but um, the game, like, looks nice. It looks that, pretty... It, I mean, it looks pretty nice for a PS2 era. It's just... Uh, it, sure. Like, they, they... Crash just looks weird. Yeah. Point is, yeah. music yeah. is really good in that game. It, it slaps. It, like, it hits really hard, and, like, it's it's very good. Spyro, I, I don't go past the third game, so it's fine. Hmm. Um, but I don't like, think many people do. No. Um, but those songs are really good. I, I heard a song from um, uh, one of the later Spyro games. Mm-hmm. It's still really good. Yeah. And it's like it's like it's this mystical fantasy stuff, and it's it's so good. We cannot end this podcast without talking <laughs> about Grant Kirkhope. Okay. I fit. Wh- you can I'm, go into that right I'm now if you right want. Now. Yeah. No, I'm switching. Yeah. We got nine minutes. That so man, that legend. I think I know his name. That off the top of my head. Gold mine of talent. This g- so he did Banjo Kazooie. Oh, he did ukulele. Yep. He yep. did Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I think he's the the voice of Donkey Kong too, right? I, don't I think he also did DK sixty four. Is yeah. he? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's the one that recorded the voice lines that Nintendo would end up using all the way up until um like the the um Donkey Kong Country Returns. I think is the first one without. I, I honestly yeah. don't remember. Yeah, um, but like. He is so talented, and he is, has such an ear for music, and he's so good at it. He he, and I know a lot of people like Mike got upset because it's like, oh, well, the Banjo Kazooie soundtracks, like they're not on Spotify or anything. But he did Banjo Kazooie rejiggied, where he took all of the original songs and remade them completely, and posted them on Spotify, and they're incredible. They are so good, and. If you haven't listened to them yet, go. And yes, it is. It, he voiced he Donkey. Did. He did, voiced Donkey Kong from 1999 to 2010. But as far as I'm aware, he only recorded like one session of audio for the Donkey Kong Country games, and then they just kept using that same audio that for, like for the next like 40 years. <laughs> that sounds like Nintendo. <laughs> um, or, you know, 10 years. But yeah, like he did so many of like those compositions for all those classic rare games, and it's it's so well done. It's so it, it fits the aesthetic of the game so well. I forget if he did Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I would assume so because he was the um, like the resident in-house composer for Rareware. Yeah, I think he right did. up until the I think the um, Xbox sale. I think he he left after the Xbox sale. Yeah, well, yeah, and like he, uh, him, and a bunch of other former Rare employees formed Platonic Games, and they did Ukulele. And Ukulele soundtrack is incredible. Um. It's a shame about the game, but he didn't the, work on the original Conquer's Bad for a Day, but he did work on Live and Reloaded. Interesting. Uh, he it looks like he just performed the the guitar for it, <laughs> like oh, okay. he was the performer. And actually, it looks like he stuck around 
for a lot longer than I thought he did. I thought he was one of the people that left um, yeah, actually, after no, the, the Xbox deal. But, I think he left when Platonica formed. Uh, it looks like uh, the last Rareware game that he was like directly involved with that wasn't a remake was Nuts and Bolts. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and the, and, and the, apparently he composed uh, the music for a, a, a game called Fart Cat. Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's and Bolts had a really good soundtrack, too. Again, a shame about the game, but the soundtrack was really good. Mm. Um, and also, before people get on me for that, Ukulele, 3D platformer, it's a good game, but there's faults. I'll had, get pretty, it. had pretty solid, solid music. No, the music yeah. is incredible. I know we're yeah. talking about the music specifically on this yeah. one. We should start a video game podcast where we talk about just general video game stuff. We should. but We should just start a general podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. Yep. Grant Kirkhope, he's incredible. Go check out his stuff on Spotify. The Rejiggy album is incredible. Go play those old games. They're so good. Ah, mm. uh, the <laughs> master of MIDI. Oh, yeah. That's what Grant Kirkhope is. He was the master of MIDI. I, I love video game soundtracks so much and I wish I had more um more yeah more <laughs> and I wish I had more like physical media of them CDs and such yeah me too because I think the only the only video game soundtrack I, I own on CD right off the top of my head is for The Witcher 3 mm. Wild Hunt I have ukuleles and I have um Tie the Tasmanian Tiger right yeah because you also got the pair of shorts with that like Kickstarter campaign right no I did not but I wish I did ah. um, that was one of the yeah. tiers but no I unfortunately was not able to get the shorts I was very close though um, no the uh, the Tie the Tasmanian Tiger music was pretty good too um, it was are, interesting it wasn't really quite my thing yeah. I, I played about three hours of Tie I made it yeah. to like the end of the second hub. I got to sh- um, shipwrecked, I believe. Yeah, and then I, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what to do. Oh yeah, no, I the game makes me sick. Uh, the, the HD remake of it makes me sick, like in an actual physical way, not in a metaphorical way. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the, because, the like, camera controls are so so janky. rough. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's besides it, the point. The music, the music was just okay. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> great, but. <laughs> I'm okay. Keep going. I feel like modern video games use the movie approach that we talked about in the last episode, where that like the whole point is to not hear them, <laughs> like the, to not notice them. Like the, a lot of games have taken the much more atmospheric route to their music now, instead of like a big and in-your-face theme music like you would need in the '90s. Uh, some, like, cause some, some games benefit from it, but especially, uh, specifically stuff from PlayStation studios, I noticed, which I know a lot of people get on them for like the PlayStation formula where all of their games from their first party publishers are exactly the same mm. or first party developers are exactly the same, just reskinned. But like, there is some truth to that, but I'm not going to get into that here. We'll, we'll do that in a yeah, separate I mean, thing, but crash Jack and Dash, um, and Clank. Anyway. Oh, I'm ta- <laughs> no, I'm talking, um, PlayStation studios, which I mean, yeah, Ratchet and Clank is the only one of those that actually belongs to PlayStation Studios now. Uh, Crash and Spyro at Activision, oh, yeah. but um, we'll talk about that later. Yep. That makes me depressed. Um, anyway, uh, uh, but all of those games don't really have like that memorable of a soundtrack, at least to me, because mm-hmm. you could you're not really supposed to notice them. That's the whole point. Yeah, like there are there are some aspects of them that stick out. Yeah. Like I know. Um, Especially Last of Us Part Two, where you could 
uh, like Ellie plays guitar for like a like it's a solid plot point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you get a good amount of like good music from that, and you even get to play "Take on Me" in one of the sections of the game. That's um, awesome. well, because it, it's re- it's really funny. This is kind of on topic because it's still music and video games, but mm. there's one portion of The Last of Us Part Two where you're you're on horseback riding around like an abandoned Seattle. And one of the stores you can go into is a music store. Yeah. And when you get up to the top floor, there's a guitar sitting, um, sitting against the wall, yeah. and you can choose to play it for Diana, the um, the love interest, the love interest, yeah, yeah that, that you're with. And um, <laughs> the mini game starts, and like it tells you what note to hit on the touchpad and all mm-hmm. that. So you're starting to do it. And I just remember when I first played it, I was like, is is this take on me? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> are they actually having me play take on me right now? Um, and they were. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because some games can use that, like, um, blend in the background of their advantage where it's, yeah. like, it's not overly. Um, I think Horizon and, does it. Horizon and God of War do it pretty well. One of the games, some of the games that I think do it pretty well are, um, Tetris Effect. Yep. I'm that, familiar with it. Yeah. That game has incredible music. Um, and it, like, it works really because as you play, it plays it. Yep. And it's really cool. Um, the runner, the bit trip runner series. I know, I'm aware of that too. Yeah, it like adds instruments. Yeah. The better you do, it's it's really cool. That is cool. That's I a love, cool concept. Yeah, I, every game like does it, and it's like it's an incredible little thing that they do. At least all the 3D games do it, but it's it's a really fun little mechanic that they do. So you can you can use like not super imposing music to mm-hmm. your advantage like that. But a lot of studios are just like, eh, whatever soundtrack. <laughs> and it's like, come on, like try yeah. a little, like, yeah. and they're like, and there's like. You know what other game has a has a guitar mini game in it? <laughs> Disney's Magical Mirror Star Mickey Mouse. Oh. <laughs> Did it? I don't think I remember it, that. Yep. I, we I have think, recorded footage I think of I've, us looking at it. I think I've repressed, repressed that time of, of filming that series because that was quite interesting. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you should you should go watch it. Apparently, a lot of other people wanted to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know why you got why you guys liked it so much, but hey, it's go to Bioprism Entertainment. B I O P R I S M Entertainment. And look at the Let's Play series we did on uh, Disney's Magical Mirror starring, starring Mickey Mouse. You have to say the whole thing. Yes, you do. It is a curse. And now and you on, are a curse. And <laughs> on that lovely note, and yes. on that lovely curse, yes. uh, we're going to leave you for this week. Uh, yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and watch the main show, I suppose. When this episode releases, uh, I'll be recording another episode in a week, yes. I believe. So. Yeah, yeah. This new, so. this new James Cesarot content coming your way. I actually don't think I've mentioned it in the podcast yet, but it was advertised it on my social media that James, uh, I'm doing a new spinoff to James Cesarot as well, um, called JHR Toon Trivia. Yes, that's going to be released on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, BCAT, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be just like quick, like thirty second to a minute long videos spouting some cool music fun facts mm-hmm. in your face. And I'm doing um, Varus's filler magic. Yeah, and he's doing which is they're doing some stuff too. Basically the same thing except about my stuff. And animation. <laughs> animation yeah. and all that stuff. Alright, thank you guys and peace. See you next week. See you later, guys. <laughs>